as we are continuing today, we're we're, uh, still in this season of returning and reflecting return and reflect. And, and we've just been spending some time as, as we've increasingly been able to gather together uh, more and, and to, to say, hey, instead of just running ahead into the future, let's take a little while to look back and consider how has this past year plus shaped us? Who are we now that we're here? Uh, and so we've been doing all kinds of different things. We uh, looked at, you know, Acts chapter 2 several weeks ago and on this day of Pentecost and considered, you know, they, they were waiting for the Spirit to arrive, just like we've been waiting throughout this whole season. And then we looked through a few pieces of Nehemiah uh, and, and Ezra and Nehemiah and saw some of their responses as they came back from exile. And each week, we've had some different questions that we've been considering and responding to. You can see some of those uh, over here on the sides of the wall today. Um, And last week, we looked at Nehemiah chapter 9, and we saw that the people gathered together and they prayed their story to God. They looked back through their entire history from creation to their present day and and kind of recited all of this, but did so in prayer prayerfully reflecting on their life before God. And so together, last week, we asked this question, what story is God writing among us? What story is God writing among us? And and I love the responses that you guys gave, um, both written and texted in. Uh, And and as I looked through them, I, I found that they were very honest It did not shrink back from the challenges we've been facing over this past year. And yet also, uh, these responses were very filled with hope. So I loved getting to see these responses. And and, and as we consider, what are the stories? What is the story that God is writing among us? Hope is one of the words that surfaced among all of them. Um, uh, There was... One of the words was a a dark and sad story with a positive, loving, and hopeful twist that is yet to be fully revealed. I love that. There's there's darkness and and sadness, but but there's hope to be revealed. Uh, Another person responded, God is writing a story of hope, healing, and faith for people who have been hurt, lost, and going through transition. So there's, again, that word hope coming forward. Uh, Someone else simply offered the words renewal, hope, and preparation uh, as they considered the story that God is writing among us. So the word hope uh, rose up among many of these. Another word that came up several times in some of the responses was the word new. The word new, one person wrote, our story is about an unlikely family being transformed and shaped into something new each and every day, brought together through love. Someone else wrote, he makes a way when we feel there is no way. He takes our loss or desolation and creates something new. And then another response was, the God of our past is inviting us to behold and embrace the new thing he longs to do in our midst. I love that. So there's hope 
And there's renewal, right? Despite all the challenges of this past year, God is writing a story of hope and renewal among us. And as I reflect on this, it doesn't sound merely like some sort of wishful thinking, but really it sounds to me right in line with what God himself has said. Behold, I am making all things new. Right? This is the story that God is writing. This is what God is doing. He is making all things new. And so if this is what God is doing, well, then what are we to do? If this is what God is up to, well, what are we to do? Right? As we're reflecting on all of this, where, where are we headed? And to figure this out, well, it takes discernment discernment. And that's the thing I really want to focus on together today. Discernment, right? A, a couple weeks ago, many of us gathered over Zoom to just kind of continue this conversation about returning and reflecting. We looked at some of these responses we've had over the past few weeks and said, hey, what, what do we see? What do we notice And all of this? And at the very beginning of that meeting, uh, I just sort of shared a few brief words about discernment. And I mentioned an example from it, from the book of Acts. And so that's what I want to look at together. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 is where we are headed today. Acts 15. Now, as, as you get there, the first few verses of this chapter set up the context for what they are discerning together. In this chapter, uh, verse 1 says, uh, you know, someone has been going around and saying, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And so this becomes the, the central question that the early church is discerning together. Do Gentiles have to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses to be saved? That's the question that they, they're wrestling with. And so let's read their discernment process together. Acts 15, we'll begin in verse 6. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And when they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. 
The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. So it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogue on every Sabbath. And then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are a God of grace who has come to us and who saves us and welcomes us. You're also a God who speaks and invites us to listen and discern. So I pray that as we consider what it means to be a discerning people, as we consider the words of your scripture today, I ask that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, discernment, right? Discernment is kind of the thing I want to hold up in front of us today, and we have an example of it here in Acts 15. But before I really dig into the process that we just read, I just want to say a couple of things about discernment. Uh, and, and the first is this. Discernment is different from decision. Discerning is different from deciding. See, discernment focuses more on faithful process, whereas decision-making focuses on the finished product, right? Discernment focuses on the faithful process rather than the finished product. And guess which one of these is, is far more important in our culture? The finished product, right? I mean, we got to get things done. We got to get things out there. But discernment invites us to a very different way of being. We're not just focused on the results, on the end, uh, but rather invited into a faithful process of discerning. And, and, and this is through and through the character of God that we see God as a God who is committed to the process rather than, than just the final product. I mean, just look at creation as a, as a great example of this. Instead of just sort of snapping his fingers, making it all happen, and running along, Genesis 1 describes several days that creation unfolds through, right? A process of creation. And then even throughout that process, God doesn't just do it and, you know, check it off a list. He lingers with it. At each time throughout, it says he pauses. It says that God saw that it was good. 
right? He's not just checking things off a list and, and making decisions left and right. He's sitting in that process, and he sees that it is good. And then even when he finishes the whole thing, at the very end of creation, he doesn't just finish and move on. It says God saw all that he made, and it was very good. See, God lingers in this. He's committed to the process. And from creation onward, the rest of the Old Testament is the long story of God's patient commitment to the process. This is who God is. And we see the very same thing as we turn to the New Testament. Jesus doesn't just show up and tell people what to do and move on, but he invites people into this process of following him and being transformed by him. I mean, even at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, a place that we often call the Great Commission, right? It sounds sort of like Jesus giving instructions and then heading off, but that's not what happens. He doesn't just say, go do stuff for me and I'll see you later. He says, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So even in this, Jesus is committed to the process Jesus is with us in the midst of living out his mission in the world. And, and this is what we see throughout this passage in Acts. The early church doesn't just get together to make a decision, you know, and check it off and move on. They gather together to discern. And most of the passage describes the process of discernment. There's discussion, there's listening, there's sharing, so on. And we'll look at these things in just a moment in more detail, but before we do that, I want to say one more thing about discernment. Because if discernment is more about the process than the finished product, then that also means it's more about the questions that we're asking than it is about the answers we're getting. It's more about the questions than it is about the answers. And again, guess which one our culture is far more interested in, right? Far, you know, where, where is, can I flip to the back of the book and find the answers, right? I mean, that's just ingrained in all of us. What are the answers? Uh, but discernment is about asking questions and, and listening. And again, God is a God of questions. Yeah, after Adam and Eve sin and hide, God doesn't just show up and tell them off, but rather he approaches them with a question. Where are you? He invites them to come out from hiding. He's a God who asks questions. He doesn't just bark off commands and, and give orders. He asks questions and invites. And we see this also over and over again with Jesus. Uh, the Pharisees approach him and ask him a question. Hey, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus doesn't give them an answer. Instead, he says, well, whose image is on that coin? And this invites them to ponder whose image 
is on them, right? Whose image they are created in. Or, you know, in the middle of the storm, the, Jesus and his disciples are there, and the disciples turn to him and say, hey, don't you care if we drown? Jesus doesn't get defensive and, and give them an answer. He just says, why are you doubting? Why are you afraid? He asks them a question. Or there's the lame man by the pool of Bethesda that supposedly, you know, when the waters got stirred up, if you got in the water, you would be healed. And so he's asking, you know, can someone get me into the pool? But Jesus comes to him and he, he asks a question. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? I mean, even after the resurrection, Mary is, is weeping by the tomb that's empty, and she's wondering, where is my Lord? And Jesus approaches and asks her, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? He asks her a question, right? Over and over again, Jesus asks questions and invites people to wonder and ponder together. In fact, someone, I, I did not do this, but someone has counted up through all four Gospels, and they counted a total of Jesus asking 307 questions throughout the Gospels. It's a lot of questions, right? Jesus is constantly inviting people. In fact, they also counted up 183 questions that were asked of Jesus. And he only answered three of them. 180 unanswered questions. Why? Maybe they weren't the right question. You see, this is what discernment does. Discernment invites us not just to find answers to our questions, but maybe to find better questions. It's why it's so important. Because a lot of times we might be asking, hey, should we pay taxes? And Jesus is like, hey, whose image are you made in? It's a better question. Sometimes we're asking, you know, God, do you care if we drown? And Jesus is, is saying, hey, why are you afraid? Why do you doubt? Really, where, where does that doubt come from? Sometimes we're asking, hey, can, can someone get me into this pool? And Jesus invites us, hey, do you want to be made well? Right? He gives us better questions. That's what the process of discernment is. It is a process that doesn't merely find answers, but refines our questions. Discernment is a process that refines our questions. And so, what, what do we see in this example, in Acts 15, as, as we look? What, what does discernment actually look like on the ground as they do this? And so, you know, in verse 6, we began, the apostles and the elders met to consider this question, right? And so there it is. They start with a question. What, what is this question that they have before them? This question that they're discerning, figuring out, bringing before God and each other. But one of the core parts of discernment is found in verse 12. I love this. It says, the whole assembly 
became silent as they listened. Silence and listening is a core part of discernment. When you're just trying to make a decision, you can keep the noise going because you're trying to make pro and con lists, you're trying to figure everything out, you're trying to talk it out and figure it out. And there's, there's a time for that and a place for that. That's not wrong. But that's only part of the much larger thing that is discernment, which involves silence, listening, figuring out what's going on underneath all of that noise that I'm so prone to jump into. And silence and listening is a core part of discernment. And so from that silence and that listening, people begin to share. You know, verse 7 says there, there's much discussion. We see that throughout this passage. There are moments of discussion and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and we see several examples of specific people getting up to share. And so, you know, first in, in verse 7, Peter gets up and addresses them. And then in verse 13, uh, we see, or sorry, uh, 12, jumped ahead of myself there. In verse 12, Barnabas and Paul get up and begin sharing some, some of the stuff that they are, are experiencing and seeing. And then in verse 13, James gets up and shares, right? And, and these, are, these are all folks, you know, Simon Peter, right, who walked with Jesus. We've got James here. We, we've got uh, Paul and Barnabas, right? These are, these are people whose stories we hear and know throughout uh, the Gospels and, and Acts. And they're participating in this conversation. And they're sharing from their own experiences. You know, Peter says, hey, uh, you know, I, I've had these experiences with Gentiles. Here's, here's what's going on. Same thing, Barnabas and Paul say, hey, there are signs and wonders that God is doing among the Gentiles. You got to see it. You know, why, why are we having this, this question about whether or not the, the Gentiles can, can be let in? God's already doing stuff, right? They're beginning to share these stories of, of what they've experienced and seen with God. And so out of silence and listening comes sharing from experiences and, and stories, right? Last week, we talked about what is our story, right? That, that's part of discernment. And then there's, there's another piece as well, you know, and this is what James brings in as he begins to speak in verse 13 and, and, and on. He, he not only says, hey, so, you know, Simon has spoken and, and heard, and yeah, we've just listened to Barnabas and Paul, but also he says, hey, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. And he begins to quote from Amos chapter 9. You know, he, he quotes that, hey, even the Gentiles who bear my name are going to be a part of this. And so it's not just a conversation between people, but they're looking to Scripture. They're looking to the story of God, saying, hey, where, where does Scripture speak into this process of discernment? You know, we, we're discerning together from our experiences, in the midst of, of silence and reflection, and from the, the testimony of Scripture. But, you know, it's not just any, you know, picking of verses from Scripture. 
Because, you know, someone else could easily have picked other verses that are all about how, hey, those Gentiles, they're, they're awful, right? Get them out of here, right? There are plenty of those verses. You can find them if you look for them. So how did he end up with this scripture from Amos? Well, I think we have to look back at the end of Peter's time of sharing. We see this in verse 11. And Peter just sums it all up. We believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. You see, you can cherry pick things out of Scripture and kind of say whatever you want, but you can't make the gospel say anything that you want. And so the gospel is the means by which they understand the whole story of Scripture. It's by grace through Jesus, that we are all saved. They look to the story of the cross and the resurrection. The fact that, man, at the cross, it was the centurion who said, surely this is the Son of God. Right? Even in that moment, God is drawing the Gentiles in. They look to all of this, and they look to the story of Jesus. And so in our discernment, we listen to one another. We share from our experiences, and we, and we look to Scripture, but not just random Scripture, but Scripture according to the gospel and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are some of the pieces that we have in discernment. And so I, I want to share with you, you know, as I was thinking about this, just a couple of pictures that came into my mind that I think might, might help uh, as, we, as we consider all of these different pieces of discernment, uh, one of the images is um, from music, right? A, a musical chord requires at least three notes to be able to tell what it is. You know, if you only have two notes, you don't really know, well, is it major? Is it minor? Is it this key or is it that key? I really don't know. But when you add that third note, you know, oh, you know, this, this song is in G major, or whatever else, right? A minor. Who knows, right? But it's that third note that, that brings it all together. Uh, to use another image, uh, many of us get around today, we just trust our phones to, you know, put it into Google, let it tell me where to go. And it uses GPS. But, but here's what I've learned about how GPS works. Uh, it needs at least three satellites to be able to pinpoint where you are. It's, it's a process called trilateration. Uh, I, I watched a short video about it that was interesting and helpful, and I could not describe it to you. But um, what I know is that it takes three uh, satellites to pinpoint where you are in the middle of it, and that's how GPS works. You add in a fourth satellite, and you can get altitude as well, right? Uh, so it starts to get three-dimensional. Um, but, but it requires at least three satellites to figure out where you are. And, and I see this very same thing at work in the process of discernment. You see, it, it's not just me quietly sitting by myself. You know, what, 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 where are you leading, God? That, that doesn't work by itself. So that's just one note that, that's just one satellite. 
right? It takes more than just me quietly sitting and, and, and wondering. It takes us, right? So it's, it's me and you, right? It's, it's we that enter into discernment together. We listen to each other. We share with each other, honestly and, and truly, out of our experiences, our, our intuitions. But even then, that's not quite enough. It's not just a conversation with each other. We need that third note to know what key we're playing in. We need that third satellite to know exactly where we are on the map. You see, it, it's, it's us and God. And so we, we search scripture, we enter into prayer, and we ask God, where are you leading? Where are you bringing us? What questions are you inviting us into that maybe we haven't considered yet? What questions do we need to let go of and, and, and seek? As I think about all three of these, it really reminds me of what Jesus said are the greatest commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. We have to be active participants, right? The, we, the self does not get erased in the process of discernment. That's part of it. But we enter into this as neighbors together. And all of this leads us to a greater love of God. We need those three GPS pieces to, to bring us in. We need those three notes to know what song we're singing. This is what discernment is. Listening long enough to figure out, hey, what notes are there? Paying attention long enough to say, hey, where, where, where are these coordinates, you know, with GPS? Again, I don't know how that works exactly, but it seems like a good metaphor. This is the process of discernment. And so this is what we've been doing together the last few weeks. We've been asking these questions. We've been sharing. And we've all along been saying, you know, God, where are you leading us in all of this? How are you refining us? Where are you bringing us? And so today, I, I kind of want to not bring this to a close. We never really finish discerning, but to invite uh, one, one more piece in this. And it's after all these questions we've been asking over the last few weeks, what more questions are there for us to ask? So this is what I want you to reflect on today. As we return and reflect, what other questions do we need to bring before God? As we return and reflect, what other questions do we need to bring before God? So I want to invite you to just sort of wonder in that. What, what are the, the questions that God is bringing up throughout this process as we return and reflect? And, and not just you know, practical questions about when and where and, and all that stuff, but, but those, those deeper questions. What, what is God doing among us? What are some of these questions that, that we can continue to linger on and discern together in the coming weeks as we rejoin, return, and find our way forward? And so, over the next few minutes, 
uh, some music will play, and you're invited once more to get up, and, and there's a couple of, of new blank sheets of paper in the back. And so go back to those and, and um, add, add a question that, that maybe you're wondering um, that God is inviting, maybe you personally, to bring before God during this season, but also us collectively to, to bring before God. So some music will play uh, over the next few minutes while we reflect. Uh, and then um, some will be instrumental, and then another will be a, a song with the words on the screen that you're welcome to, you know, hum or sing along to if you know it, or just listen to and receive. Uh, and so let's continue this, this time of reflecting together. <laughs> 